It's a lot of significance behind this record. You already know, man. It's a lot of significance behind this record. You see the look on Imani's face. She's not really up. She don't really know where we're going with this one. We're just going to let it ride for a second. Let it breathe. Welcome to another episode of Live at the Family Barbecue with your boy A Walter Sultan and Imani Shani. What's happening? And we have our honorable brother here today. <laughs> Intelligent. Entrepreneur, all around good guy. You see, he very icy today. Black excellence and elegance, excellence and elegance. This is my excellence and elegance. This is my brother, man. I called him my twin. We go way back, way way back. And you know what else? This is a this is an all Capricorn episode too. Now we talking. (laughs) Wow, my boy, dangerous, rich. What's poppin'? The founder and creator of Rich Grills. Welcome to the show. It's a blessing to be here. How you feeling, my brother? Oh, bro, I'm blessed. Blessed and highly favored, bro. Blessed and highly favored. A little hungover. Let's just dive into that real quick. We're, we're, hey, look, like, you know what weekend it was. Listen, it's BET, BET weekend. weekend. I have forgot it was BET weekend, but I seen an uncalculatable or calculable. I don't know if I'm even saying the word right. Calculable uh-huh. amount of thotties on the streets okay. these past three days. Okay. Hottie to thottie. Then Mo hits me. Or Rich, as y'all know, and says, yo, bro, I'm going to be in town Sunday. I'm like, what's going on? He said, BT Awards. I was like, you know what? Now I understand what's going on this weekend. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> and I was, I was supposed to come out here on Saturday. Okay. That didn't work out. That didn't work out at all. But God willing, I got out here Sunday, and it's just been a very, 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 very... It's been one of those... 36 hours you can only have in Los Angeles. Absolutely, man. So tell us a little bit what you what you do yesterday before we dive into like exactly who you are, what the brand is about. But what, like, what was your day like yesterday? Just give the people who never been to BET Awards weekend a little taste of what last night was like. Okay, like the ratchet story or just regular? The ratchet story. That's what we're here for. All right, so it got crazy <laughs> yesterday, bro. It got crazy yesterday. Like, oh my God, dog. It got so crazy. So the whole purpose of me coming out here was to deliver some jewelry I made for one of my clients. So, bam. Made it just in time. I think the show started at 5. Mm-hmm. I landed at like 3.30. My boy AWOL picked me up, took me to the telly. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, bet, boom. So then I go to the awards, drop off the joints, and I'm like, all right, bet. Work done, right? Well, allegedly, work done. So... Next thing I know, I'm at uh, I'm on the 73rd floor of my hotel, getting like hammered, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like real talk. Like, <laughs> that escalated very quickly. It escalated because you know it's one of those places where it's like you go somewhere by yourself and you leave with a community. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of that's kind of like everywhere. So I'm first I'm just drinking by myself. The dude, my bartender, he know another dude that's from D.C. He goes and finds the dude from D.C. And then we start having, uh, we form the same hospital, born in the same hospital and all of this type of stuff. So now he's bringing everybody who he thinks that I would like, <laughs> like over into my area. <laughs> so everybody's just getting drunk. So that's hilarious. I meet some folks and I'm like, yo, y'all my new gang. Y'all my gang out here, you know, like. That's all you need. Yeah, my gang out here. So I leave my gang and I uh, go to uh, the JW Marriott. We, we we turning up over there. Shot, 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 shots, right? That's where, like, everybody was staying. Dip out of there, and I go to my boy, uh, my boy Jay's party. 
uh, him, him and Luke through a party in okay. on Sunset Boulevard. We go there, unlimited douce, like unlimited douce. <laughs> It gets even crazier. So then my gang hit me up, and they like, yo, gang, where you at? Like, turn up. I'm like, bro, it's like 3 in the morning, 3, 4 in the morning. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. Like, <laughs> we only got 36 hours? I only got 36 hours, bro. I only got 36 hours, bro. Oh my God. So the gang picked me up, and, like, the vibes was just a little off, bro. Like, they started talking about some stuff, like, they got kicked out of the joint, like the 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 73rd floor thing I was at. They mm. were like, we got kicked out of there. And I'm like, hold on, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, like, wait, hold on, wait. Like, they was like, yeah, they trying to say we was dining and dashing and all of that. Like, I know they, they, oh. we, we all still follow each other on IG, but like, it get real though. Cause then like, I'm like, yeah, all right, bet. Just take me back to my hotel. Like, take me back. I'm like, nah, we about to go turn up, gang shit. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> Take me back to my hotel. Respectfully. Like, <laughs> I no. put the joint in my GPS. So I got the, I got my hotel in my GPS. I'm confirming the route we're taking. So Dan Shorty makes a right before she was supposed to write. So I'm like, yo, what, what's up? Like, where we going? Like, she got the girl like, oh, he got the, he got the, he got his hotel in the GPS. Like, what do you think? We trying to kidnap you? <laughs> I don't know. So I'm like, why use that word? Like, that's it. Why use that word? You know what I mean? Why is that word in your mind right now? I'm like, you know what? Let me out this car. Let me out this car right here, bro. Like, swear to God, let me out this car. It's going. I'm gonna turn up. Let me out this car. So they're like, oh nah. So they just um, like, like in the middle of the street, stop, boom, let me out the car. You so, got out the car? Yeah, I got out the car. <laughs> Hell yeah, I got out the car. <laughs> like, I don't know what. Mm. what I done, I done seen too many crazy L.A. stories that ended in catastrophe, bro. Stories, mm. movies. You feel me, bro? Like, I'm thinking of everybody, bro. Like, hell no, get me out of this car. <laughs> so they let me out of this car. It's a little random Taco Bell there. Like, I don't know where I'm at. It's like 3.30 a.m. They let me out the car. I get into the Uber, come back. But then people still hitting me up. So I'm going to tell everybody, yo, come to the hotel. So we had like a little after party. It was lit, bro. No liquor. After party, no liquor. I mean, So you did all your drinking before y'all went to your spot? Bro, by the time we get back in my joint, it was like 5 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like 5 a.m. by the time. Everybody drunk, bro. Like, literally. We don't need no more. It was just inaudible conversation. Inaudible, loud conversation, bro. But yeah. you didn't wake up with the tiger in your bathroom, like, hangover style. Nothing crazy like that. Nope. Wasn't a tiger. Okay. It wasn't a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was it? <laughs> no, that was a joke. <laughs> it was a girl with a tiger tattoo. No, no way, bro. No way, bro. I'm, oh, wow. I'm, I'm literally saving myself for Jesus, bro. Wow. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And that's all it's supposed to be. Real talk, bro. Hey, look, I'm glad because, look, when Duce comes into the mix... And kidnapping, and you made it out safe. Like, it was a good night. Seriously. It was a good night, man. So, well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, bro. I'm glad you got a shout out to Luke. We saw he got the award last night. Word. Bowie State University. Yeah. Bowie, hey, we're on a nice little run. My man, Miles Frost, oh, got man. something. Uh, Michael Jackson, right? Michael Jackson got something. We're on a nice little run. Word. So, yeah, it's got like, you know, Bowie, hey, look, we, we're a small community, but we we making our mark, bro. So hey, man. That's why we brought you here today. Mom, for real, bro, and it's just so crazy because it's amazing that I get to show the accomplishments that the Bowie alumni is, is uh, see the accolades that they are accomplishing right now. Because mm -hmm. I'm a professor at Bowie State still, so to be able to show my students you know, like what the past classes are doing in the current day. Right. It's just amazing, you know. Jeweler and a professor. So I think that's a that's a perfect segue. So I'm going to take you back with this one, bro. Okay. Take you back with this one. For anybody who doesn't know, who are you? Okay. <laughs> okay. Who are you, brother? And don't give me your last name. Nah. No. <laughs> don't Malcolm X me, bro. Don't Malcolm X me, bro. <laughs> Your name is not Jones. Not yeah, 
Your name is not Rock, but nah, for real. I'm a man of African legacy who was brought to America many, many moons ago, many, many generations ago, and I made America home. Uh, I love, I love just being in community. Like I am we, you know. Like I truly live by that by that moniker. I am we. I never, I always seen myself as part of a whole. You know, but I always saw myself as a crucial, essential part of the whole, like with a responsibility to the whole mm -hmm. that I have to hold myself accountable for, even if the people in the community don't hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that also <laughs> means holding other people accountable as well. So that's always been who I saw myself as. I always saw my myself as one of many or as a part of many, mm -hmm. you know, like, but other than that, bro, I'm a PhD candidate at Temple University studying Africology and African-American studies. And my dissertation is titled, they told us the earth was flat so that we would, they told us the earth was round so that we would stop exploring the world. Mm. Right. <laughs> and I'm just in this real cool space of just thinking about nationalism and how do we build a nation where we are protected from the elements that we have suffered from for the past 400 to 4,000 years, you know? And it's a beautiful mission because it's action-oriented. It's centered around agency. Like, I'm a man of agency. Mm. I don't like to speak. I like to show. Mm. And when you can speak on the things you have shown, it makes your rhetoric more persuasive. So that's what I try to do. That's what, who I am as a, as a human being. I love that. That's awesome. And that's why he's going to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? Mo actually wrote one of the intros for my book, too. Mm. I think you were at Towson when that happened. Because that was like, what, 2018? Or you had just yeah. left? Or you might have just graduated Towson. I just graduated Towson. No, I, gra I graduated Towson in 2016. I graduated. So I, okay, I so yeah, we definitely was. So talk about that real quick, and then we're going to jump into some of the other stuff. But I feel like education is a big part of you. It's how we met. So how has the HBCU experience um, helped you along this journey compared to, like, you getting your education now at Towson and then Temple? Like, how I guess how have all in each one of them kind of played a part in making you or helping you become what you are today? That's real. You know, you could get the full story at my HBCU experience. You know, check out my man Amir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, the the beautiful thing I told you, like I talk a lot about nationalism, uh, black nationalism, and how are these things achievable? And my whole saying is evolution over revolution. Like I I don't want to revolt against America. That's not my ambition. I want to evolve into a, a being who is shaped and crafted by Africa and America to become the supreme species that's ready to encounter any problem or obstacle faced against me, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you're at Bowie State University or you're at any HBCU, you find yourself like, wow, like that's the nursing building. Okay, that's the business building. Okay, that's the history building. Okay, those are the scientists. You have all of the parts you would need for a nation, mm. like in one space, mm -hmm. like in one space, you have everything and everybody with every type of specialty to run a city like this, mm -hmm. you know, so that's that was the most precious thing that I took from my my experience, because there's so many different um I don't like to say stereotypes, but we do get typecasted a lot. Mm -hmm. But when you see the variety <clears throat> and how eclectic the talents of people of my skin color are in just one space, and then we live in together, we exchange energy every day, and then you get to build bonds with people, and you get to use those bonds later in life. It's just a beautiful, invaluable experience. Mm -hmm. you know. Like So that's the biggest thing that I appreciated about my HBCU experience. And then it prepared me for my PWI experience in right. a very, very unique way because I wasn't expecting things from my PW. I wasn't expecting fellowship from my PWI experience. Mm -hmm. Like I understood I was, I, was, I was trained in the world 
I was trained in what the world would look like for a black person at my HBCU. Right. So I wasn't shocked. I wasn't let down. I don't feel like, I feel like a lot of us, and when I say us, I mean people of African legacy and heritage, I feel like we are not necessarily victims of uh, oppression as much as we are disappointment in 2022. Mm. I think a lot of times we're just disappointed by how people think and how people behave yeah. and how people look at us without ever getting an inkling of the content of our character. Yeah. So I wasn't disappointed. I didn't have any. I knew I was a history major at right. <laughs> like, like You already knew what was going down. <laughs> Bro, what? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Malcolm X, John Henry Clark, Ella Baker. Like, they, yeah. they taught me. They taught me. Like, I, I wasn't even disappointed. I was more so like. Right. It's like, oh, pity you. Exactly. <laughs> and then how has it been? What was the community like on those campuses at Towson and um, Temple as far as, like, the black students? Because a lot of things like it, because I went to UCLA for a year, too. Mm-hmm. And it's like. The black students kind of create their own kind of bubble. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then I always talk with some of my guys that say I get UCLA and stuff. It's like, yeah, we got our own HBCU here. It's like, well, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that, brother. But, <laughs> but it's cool. You know what I'm saying? It works for where we at. So talk a little bit about, because I think, uh, and you studying African studies, too, at a PWI. Like, what's your community like at Temple? Yeah, Temple and Towson was very different because okay. I study African studies. I study now, I study African studies, but at Towson, I actually studied European studies. Mm. And I did my study abroad in Greece, like modern interpretations of Greek mythology. Yeah. So, again, I wanted to be well-rounded. I didn't have any community at Towson right. like, at all. Like I was so into my entrepreneurship bag, like yeah. running my different businesses and I really went to Towson was a contract like I need this give me that and I'm out of here right and I got that it gave me what I needed to do what I wanted to do as a hobby which was teach yeah. you know college students and then I went to Temple which is very very different bro like Temple is a sacred space yeah that it's not I don't think it's, it's it gets its due credit in the space of African American studies but as far as in the space of black people around the world, I don't think they understand just how much of a gem that Temple University's Africology department is. Mm-hmm. It was founded by, well, the doctoral program was founded by Malefi Kete Asante, mm-hmm. who is, he's, he, we're celebrating his 100th book. Damn. Um, <laughs> well, first, they- 100th book. <laughs> We're celebrating this 100 book. He coined the term Afrocentricity. And now we're under this, um, now we're under the leadership of Ama Mazama, bro. Oh, my God. I love Ama Mazama. She is fire, literally. Like, she is fire, bro. Like, and it's, she got this quote in her book, Afrocentric Paradigm, where she says, um, we must not produce knowledge for the sake of it. In fact, all knowledge must activate the consciousness. And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, because when I'm writing, I'm like, this got to do something. Right. Like, they, these words got to do something. Like, they can't just be me telling a story. We could do that if I see you at the bar or something. I see you on the 73rd floor of my hotel. We could talk. But, like, if you read in some words that I manifested on this paper, it has to do something. Voluntarily or involuntarily, it has to do something, it has to activate something. You know, it has to move you into action. Yeah. And that's the hardest part, especially writing this dissertation, because you're talking 200, 250 pages, no filler. Like every word advances the word before it, you know. But the community that I have there is just amazing, bro. Like uh, William Bone St. Hilaire. Um, Zach Brooks, uh, Toyo, Jazz, Priscilla, like, we are really a community of scholars, and we just feed off of each other. And the debates in the classroom, bro, oh, my God. How many people in the program with you? I don't know. It's probably like 30, 40. Okay. Oh, that's a nice size. It's a real nice size. Yeah, and we, and it's growing every semester. They bring more and more people. Mm. And, but it's getting cool now because it's people coming from different backgrounds, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... 
And it's challenging, like, a lot of our old approaches to, like, what Afrocentricity is and how do we continue. The study of Africology is all about studying African phenomenon from the perspective of African people. Like, that's, that's like, I, that's how we look at everything. And Amir got, like, 20 phones, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, don't do that. He do. Don't do that. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> but, nah, bro, like, that's what it's all about, like, studying African phenomena from the perspective and the viewpoint and the vantage point of African people. So, like, when you when we start having to approach things like Roe v. Wade, we have to start approaching things like the uh, LGBTQ, when we got to start approaching these things, it's a real challenge to people because the things you say must be, um, I don't believe in truth per se, but I will say that the things you say Again, it must be useful to everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't got no time to debate the validity of somebody's choice. Right. Mm -hmm. The only thing I have time for is to create and manifest something that everyone can use, regardless of your sexuality, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your race, regardless of whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to use this. Like, what does Africa provide to the world? Yeah. Like, it's about evolution, not revolution. I'm not, I don't write to defend my blackness. I don't right to oh everybody i am black and blackness is great africa is one like no like like again we start off with the show and then we start to speak like that's what it's about for me like so the community at temple is just amazing towson i didn't really get into it like that but Bowie is like my second hood right I look at Bowie like a hood, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, I love that place so much, I love so that much, so bro. much. Bro, what, bro? That's the block, bro. Yeah. That's, that's the block, like. It's really, it's really special. Like, it's special. I know everybody says that about their school, and I believe them. But, like, that being where we was at, like, it really, like, to relive those moments and understand how it built you up. Like you said, to prepare you for the world, you can't. You can't replicate that. Nah, not at all, bro. You can't replicate that. You can't see that no place. You won't. You won't get that ever again. Like that's what I tell my students now. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, you gotta cherish this, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you around six, seven thousand people who like are aligned in your mission. Some will fail. Mm-hmm. Everybody won't make it. But like at some point, y'all all shared the mission. Like. You know, we we are education vets. We are scholarly veterans, like (laughs) veterans of scholarship. You feel me? Like some people, oh, Vietnam, like, nah, but we stayed. Like we survived that, you know, and we and we still got connections with the people who didn't survive. So, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing all around. What you you seem like such a balanced individual because to hear how you started this podcast and then (laughs) (laughs) yo hey and we always been that way (laughs) hey bro like i'm just like this is the same person right now like wow like you just blew my life is about balance it's all amazing (laughs) it's all about balance bro i love it at Bowie state like i was like i used to do a lot of speaking like i would i would be the i would be the i would be the 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 um the master of ceremony for uh what's that first event of the year? Uh convocation. convocation. I, would like, mm. I would be like the mm-hmm. MC of the convocation, but then like they would have a picture of me in the police station as the leader of a campus gang. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> this is all true. Like he was there, bro. This, this, is, this is this is real life, bro. It'd be speeches. What? Parties, yeah. then it'd be a protest. <laughs> I remember I went to one homecoming that y'all had. Wasn't it a homecoming that I went the, to or something? Was, Mr. Bowie, yeah, yeah, that was my that year. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> hey, people don't know it though, was bro. So fun. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and it's like you know. I love this so much, bro, because California don't have no HBCUs, and that's why I tell everybody, it's like, bro. I know everybody can't go to one, but connect with somebody. Just, you know, pull up. Like, pull up. Like, if you can't go to one, like, just make adopt one mm-hmm. and go for their homecoming, go for games, like, meet people. Like, you got to adopt one, bro. Real yeah. talk, bro. Like, real talk. Because the thing about Bowie, like, the people that I 
there was so many people who didn't actually attend Bowie State that was there all of the time. That we thought attended for a long time. I was like, nigga, what, what, what classes you got? Real talk, bro. <laughs> Real talk, bro. Like, it was that, but we was all, it's a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a community. And it was a safe space for people to become adults. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very much so like that. Like you said, it's a second hood. It's like the same thing when you back home. It's some that graduate high school, which you go through school all the way. It's some that, you know, just end up being around. You know, it's some that get in trouble. It's some that's just there to support you. You got elders there. You know, you got a little bit of everybody. And that's literally what that that experience is like for those four years. So that's that's so crazy. Four for some. Yeah. Yeah. Four for some. (laughs) Four for some. I needed five, bro. I wasn't rushing, bro. Sure. My, well, I, I needed I was out of school for like, what, a year and a half? It was like a year and a half, too. So yeah. it took me longer than that. It was like six for me. Hey, bro, I was done in four. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to stick around a little bit longer. Bro, I was done in four, bro. I was done in four, bro. I wasn't leaving. I wasn't leaving. <laughs> wow. Hey, bro, it's really like home. Y'all want me to real world it? Yeah. Wow. Y'all want me to step out there, bro? What? <laughs> what? It is no. nothing but poverty propaganda in the real world. Like, no, it bro. It get crazy, man. I got food. I got free gym. <laughs> like, I got yeah. I got mad yoga instructors. Everything. That's crazy. Literally, you got everything you need. Like, Every, yeah. everything you need right there. It is. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful situation to be in. I want to know, when did... Did you always love jewelry or like when did you kind of decide to get into that? Well, I always loved that culture. Mm-hmm. Like I always loved that culture. I didn't necessarily know what I was going to get into. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I didn't have a plan. I just knew that like I, I didn't have a plan, but I knew that a plan was set for me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, while I was at, when I graduated from Bowie, one of my brothers, um, he was he had this weed by gold stand uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, like in the craziest part of Baltimore. Was that Bud? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the craziest part of Baltimore. So I'm like, all right, bet he he wanted me to, <laughs> he wanted me to like join up with him and partner with him. So I'm like, all right, bet. So I partnered with him, and we ended up with like four of them. Mm. Like in Baltimore, and mm. we was doing like a celebrity gold buyers in Atlanta, mm. so we would fly to Atlanta, and then we started this clothing line as well. So we doing all of these different things, and I'm learning about a physical business, and I'm, I'm learning how to run a physical business, and I'm also learning how to run an online business as well with the clothes, mm-hmm. and like they both were equally successful, so. One, I'm, I just got back in town, and I'm taking this class called The Jewish Philosophy of the Human Being under Rabbi Frundel. And I'm reading this book called The Kuzari by Judah Halevi. It was like the seventh, he's a seventh century Jewish philosopher. He was living in Spain, which was ran by the Muslims, but this is in the center of a Christian crusade. So he's in the middle of a rock and a hard place. He writes this book called The Kuzari about a king who wanted to convert from his traditional faith to a Semitic religion. Mm-hmm. So he brings in a representative from Islam, he brings in a representative from Judaism and a representative from Christianity to all like persuade him to like, you know, gang gang. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is like not like NOI Islam. You know what I'm saying? And this is not like like, I can't just Google this stuff and learn the context in which the characters in this book are, are speaking from. Right. But I've been buying scrap gold and diamonds and selling it to jewelers, and all of them are Jewish, Muslim, from different parts of the world. Right. Like, so I go, and I'm just asking them about it. So I meet this guy named Farouz, and me and Farouz start talking, and... Uh, we start. We talked for like three days, bro. We'll talk. We talked mm-hmm. for like three days, and he started bringing me like uh, CDs from his mosque. Uh, 
uh, one of them was like the three prophets. It was Muhammad, Jesus, and somebody else. I can't remember right now. It was Muhammad, Jesus, and somebody else. I can't remember. And Moses. Moses, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Muhammad, Jesus, one. and Moses, right? <clears throat> so he's a jeweler, but like we start building this connection off of like these very in depth conversations about spirituality and religion and all these types of things. And one day he's just like, bro, y'all don't make y'all own jewelry. Y'all wear all of it and y'all don't make it. Mm. And even worse, like, we can't wear it. <laughs> it's against our faith to wear yellow gold. Like, mm. <laughs> mm. like so, I'm like, bro, where you learn how to make jewelry at? <laughs> Real talk. Like, where you learn how to Where you do that at? And he told me something, something like, something, I think like Shazakistan or something like that. I'm like, bro, I'm never going there. <laughs> He like, I'll teach you. And I'm like, oh, work. Let's do it. But it is a cultural thing, though, because they use jewelry to get people from a really bad situation into a, into America and to provide a better life for themselves and their family and their country. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And again, I'm a I'm a nationalist in my mind. That's my mission. Mm-hmm. My mission is to create opportunities for people from the neighborhoods I was raised in. And to offer them a better life, to reintroduce them into America as productive citizens. Yeah. You know, and and, and I, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm a nationalist, but I still believe that you could be a nationalist in America. Like, uh, my whole dissertation was inspired by driving through this nice neighborhood in Maryland. And, you know, they got their own police cars and their own firefighters and everything. And the joint says incorporated in 2017. Mm. I'm like, this is like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like, hold on. They just got their own city? You can do that? <laughs> we talk about police brutality. We talk about... Uh, the housing crisis, you know what I'm saying? Like, people can't get baby formula. Like, we talk about all of these different things, and it's like, hold on, these people that just got their own city. Mm. And this was called another city, like, two years ago. This was another city two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now they got their own schools. We talk about the problems we have in education. They got their own schools. They control everything within this city. Now, they step outside their cities. That's a different jurisprudence. That's a different jurisdiction altogether. But within the confines of their city, they are safe. Yeah. Like, this is my city. Like, and I'm like, we can do that. Right. We can do that. Like, okay, you can have Southeast Washington, D.C. You can have it. You can have Inglewood. You can have it. Mm-hmm. It is places, it is other places we could build something that we own that no one can gentrify or take from us. Never, ever, ever, bro. On the flight here on Sunday, like, I'm looking outside, bro, and I'm like, bro, like, most of this area is, like, unpopulated. Right. Y'all got, like, city areas, but then the rest of this shit is, like, it looks like desert almost, bro. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, A lot of desert in between the cities. You feel me? Like, all of these places are places that can be developed, bro. Mm-hmm. All these places are places that can be developed, and we can create safe spaces for ourselves, bro. And it don't require billions and billions and billions of dollars. It just require a few people with a like mind and a vision. Mm. I just want to write the plan. I'm not even saying that I'm going to do this in my lifetime. I think I'm going to do it in my lifetime. I'm pretty confident that it's going to happen. Mm. But if not, bro, I'm going to die writing the plan. Like, I'm going to write the plan. And if somebody has ever heard of Maurice Rob- Dr. Maurice Robinson, bro, <laughs> like, and read this, they're going to be given everything they need to know on how to build a safe space for yourself, your family, your loved ones, and the people you want to see succeed. Yeah, and that's a fact, bro. And I, I think, you know, it's so crazy. My mom was just talking about it because she's a real estate person, too. And uh, we was talking about, like, she said, man... Kanye, Kanye had it figured out before, and they was calling him crazy. Crazy. She was like, that shit he did in Wyoming was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Real talk. Bro, and that was before he was a billionaire and all of that. Bro. That's a fact, yeah. This That's is true when too. it was saying he was broke. Mm-hmm. But that is, 
But that's literally the blueprint, bro. That's bro, but you remember, bro, you remember the middle of 2020 when we was looking at, like, land in, like, Montana, South yeah. Dakota? Bro, it was, like, acres you could get, like, still for, like, now, like $2,000, $3,000. Bro, Arizona is, like, a hotbed right now. Yeah. Like, people are looking at Arizona, and they just, like, building whole worlds out there, bro. Mm. Who was it? I think we had talked about it. It was a, a, a podcast a while back, money, but I want to – it was either – it's either Google – Tesla, Apple, one of them, one of like the big four, they building like a whole electric city in Arizona. I forgot which one of them it is, but mm-hmm. yeah, probably Tesla, but one of them. But that's just the way we think, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I got like, I might, I might got like 25 friends that bought a house over the past year. Mm-hmm. Like I'm counting it up. I'm like, bro, that's like all together. They probably spent like 16 million. We can have a whole city for that, bro. Right. <laughs> we can have a whole city for that number, bro. That's a fact. We can have a whole city for that, you know? But we'll rather pay to be someplace where we're not appreciated. Mm-hmm. Because the people who don't appreciate us tell us it's the place that we want to be. Mm-hmm. I'm good on that, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm good on that, bro. I got me, I got me a couple acres, bro. In a swamp. All right. <laughs> but it's mine. It's mine, bro. It's mine. And the reason why I did it right. All right. This is about to go a little right. So it's a little, it's a peninsula where my father from. And it's like, it gets a lot of rain. It floods all the time. But I'm like, this is the opportunity. Like, and I instantly started thinking about how Egypt was found. You familiar with how Egypt was found? No. What is on? So the first pharaoh name is Menes. M-E-N-E. Yes. They spell it different ways. He's known as the greatest conqueror of all time. But he didn't do it like Caesar. He didn't do it like Napoleon. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're going to just go and kill everybody. <laughs> like, that wasn't his philosophy. So Egypt, before before Egypt was unified, it was, or Kemet, we could call it Kemeta Egypt. I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't care. Like, but you had Lower Egypt and Upper Egypt. Lower mm-hmm. Egypt's at the top, Upper Egypt at the bottom. The Nile mm-hmm. River flows up. Every year on the first, they, they know it's a new year because the Nile floods. The Nile floods every new year, mm-hmm. right? That's how they start their calendar year, the Nile floods. Lower Egypt was good, but Upper Egypt was uninhabitable. Like, people couldn't live because it was too swampy. Right. So what Menes did was he came with a public works program that, for, that allowed the people who were living in, in uh, Upper Egypt with the resources to build a dam to stop the flooding. Mm-hmm. And to rework and to rework the when the Nile flooded, now rework the Nile River so that they use it as a for their irrigation system. Right, right. And I'm like, bro, like, this is different, bro. Like, this is different, bro. We can create plans to solve our problems, and while creating the plans to solve our problems, we can also employ the people who are suffering. Yep. From, from these problems that they feel like, damn, I don't have no solution to this. Mm-hmm. Like, when we start talking about being visionaries, when we start talking about being conquerors, I don't want us to start thinking about gangsters, gangsters, you know what I'm saying? Right. I want us to start thinking about, like, damn, how can we creatively solve problems and get people to work? All right. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I bought this little swampy land, bro. I'm about mm-hmm. all of it. I started off with two and a half acres, bro. I got my, I got my eyes on the four and a half right next to me. Next, my uncle owned that. Plotting. That's how you got to do it. And then it's just going to take over, bro. I got a little list of all of the owners in the area, bro. It's all local owners. And we're going to build a little nice little, we're going to build like a little harbor, bro. That's like my 20-year plan. Like, I'm going to have my own little harbor for my own little school. It. I'm going to build the curriculum for the school, bro. Kick it's your feet gonna, up. Huh? Kick your feet up. Do it right. Kick my feet up, bro. You know I love it. On a peninsula like Batman. I always want to be like Batman, bro. Like, I just want to hop in the Batmobile, drive into the city. When I'm done saving Gotham, I'm going to come back. Be Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Big Bruce. I love it. I see why y'all friends. <laughs> this is my guy, bro. It really makes sense. I'm like, mm, yeah, I see it. This is my guy, bro. Mm-hmm. Yo, so I want to talk about it a little bit, too. So... Uh, Imani started the story like that's how you kind of got into the jewelry. Now talk about the transition 
to rich grills. So from learning how to make the jewelry, well, first the gold stand, then learning how to make your own jewelry. Now talk about the transition to rich grills and how it's got to where it's at today. Rich Grills is like its own human, bro. I used to call Rich Grills my baby, but I did a, I did an interview with um, an entrepreneur. She calls herself a mom entrepreneur, mm. which is super dope, mm-hmm. right? And she's like, your business is not your baby. I got babies. <laughs> <laughs> she like, don't say that. Don't say that. Your business is <laughs> not your baby. And then I realized, yo, my business is my parent, bro. Like, that don't tell me what to do, and mm. I got to do it. Or I will be punished. Mm. Like, like that's what Real business talk. is to me, bro. Yeah, like it I'm tells ready. me what to do every day. Every day, it tell me what to do. Tell me what time to wake up. Tell me, like, you. It tell me you got. You need to go to bed. <laughs> but before you go to bed, you got some chores you need to take care of. Mm. But like, but as far as how I got to where it's at, um, like I said, with the with the gold stand, it taught me physical business. It taught me how to operate in a physical location. It wasn't a heavily social media based business. Right. Like it was really hand to hand. You got to be real creative with your marketing and how you let people know that you exist. You right. Know? So like I use stuff like um, mailers. Like people don't know you can contact USPS mm-hmm. and you can you can create a zip code. You can give them like five thousand flyers and they'll drop the flyers off to every. That's how you get like mm. that's how you get the little junk mail. You know what mm. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would do stuff like that. Uh, we had we used to hire dudes and they would um we used to hire dudes and they could uh and they would like hand out flyers at the front of the mall. Like it was it mm-hmm. was you know how like with people who are like on the spectrum and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody who'll take them to the mall. Yeah, and yeah. Just be in the mall all day. Yeah. I'm like, let's hire them, bro. Right. Like, let's give them a job, bro. Mm-hmm. Just hand out this flyer. Yeah. And say Rich Grills. <laughs> Not Rich Grills. That was Gold Brothers and Co. And say Gold Brothers and Co. G B and C. And then on the clothing line tip, most of that was like it, well, we didn't have a physical location. Mm-hmm. We just had a couple of fire items. So that was like using Shade Room, using Baller Alert, using all of those back in the day with promoting on them joints is like $200, $300. Right? Mm-hmm. The good old days, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, and you could really run it up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like back then, you could throw something on one of those platforms. This is before like it got really popular. Yeah, You could throw something on one of those platforms. Bro, we would sell like 300, 400 shirts. Mm. We would sell so many shirts, we didn't have the shirts. Right. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So, like, half of that was, like, dang, like, customer, customer reaching out, like, yo, yeah. boom, 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 these joints delayed for another three weeks. We right. got mm-hmm. you, though. Boom, 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 boom. Like, so then when Rich Girls came along, I was thinking, like, social media business, and I was thinking physical location. Like, I got to drive people both ways, and yeah. plus, I'm in a DMV. That's D.C., Maryland, Virginia, for those who don't know. Like, at the, at that moment, when I started 10 years ago, we didn't necessarily wear grills. Grills weren't a part of our culture. Right. You know, so I had to create a space for it. And, you know, Rich Grills is a family, bro. Like, I sell me. Like, mm-hmm. people walk through them doors, and I, I'm, I'm me. Like, I'm me, and we just, we build, and we bond, and... Wow. family after that. They going and telling their people. And I'm always showing love, bro. Like, I always, I like to step out. And that's the difference between me and other jewelers. Like, I respect all jewelers, especially right. the ones who's been doing it for 30 and 40 years. This is a hard and dying, dying craft. You know, like, it's not a lot of people working with metal no more. Mm. It's not, bro. Mm. It's not. It's not at all. But the difference between me and other jewelers is you're going to see me at BET Weekend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're going to see me at SSS. You know? You're going to see me. Like, while the rest of them, they go, they they sail to our culture, and then they finish, and they, they go back to their own culture. Right. Mm-hmm. And I stay in the culture. I don't I don't go home to another way of life. This is my way of life. This is my way of living. Mm-hmm. When I give you advice, when I give you a recommendation for what you should get, I've, I got that. Right. You know what I'm saying? I wore that. Mm-hmm. I wear that. I understand the functionality. I understand like the way that um, like these precious metals, the effects that they have on your body and your mental. Like you throw in a grill, you feel different. 
right? Mm. It's, it's, it's something that I can't explain to you unless you've worn one before. Mm. When you throw on a chain, a crazy pendant, like, it feels different, like, mm. especially when I throw my, my Egypt piece, boom, bro. I feel <laughs> like a pharaoh, bro. Like, I be feeling like a pharaoh, bro. I be feeling like a pharaoh. And, bro, mm. it's just... It just has developed organically. It has developed or it has developed with me. Yeah. You know, the more I grow, the more the business grows. Yeah. The more my mentality grows and matures and evolves, the more that not just rich grows, but everything that I'm involved in does mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm -hmm. But I can't wait, bro. My next business is gonna be like wholesaling toilet paper or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I don't want to do no business where I got to, like, be a part of it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be, like. Yeah, that's the goal. Right. You feel me? I'm trying right. to be like Henry Ford. Henry Ford say, I employ people to do everything mm -hmm. laborious. Why? Because all I want to do is think. Right. Mm -hmm. I just want to think all day. Mm -hmm. That's it. Wow. Real talk, bro. I will not be purchasing jewelry from anybody else <laughs> after this podcast. That's what we always say, the only way. The only way. I love way. it. You That's have something else awesome. money? Mm -mm. I was going to ask you, because you touched on a good part. Talk about uh, creating an ecosystem. Like, because you had just said, like, you didn't have that culture where you was at. So sometimes that could be a scary thing. It's like, as we talked about it last time, sometimes you might feel it's oversaturated. This uh, Freddie, a brother we had on before, and he was talking about, well, look, it's, it's a thousand different slices of bread. What do you say? A thousand different uh, bread companies when you walk in there. Mm -hmm. So talk about how it is when it's no bread company, though. <laughs> and you coming and you are making the first bread company. So talk about that, because that's basically what you did in your community with Rich Grills. Yeah, man. It's like sometimes you got to know what the people want mm -hmm. and when they don't, you know. But you can only know that if you if you got it. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I know something will be an asset. Like, and it could be, it, it might not be one of those tangible things, like one of those things you would, you would think. But um, I always try to make it a celebration. Mm -hmm. Like ecosystems can be built around making people, bringing people joy. Like yep. anything that brings people joy, people will buy into. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Naeem Akbar breaking the cycle up. That was so loud. <laughs> Naeem Akbar uh, in, in breaking the psychological chains of slavery. He said that the final step to liberation is celebration. Mm -hmm. We must celebrate, bro. And this is a party, bro. Life is a party. Mm -hmm. Rich Girls is a party, bro. Rich Girls is a party. Like, oh. it's a party that never stops, bro. Mm -hmm. Never stops. And it's whatever type of party you want it to be. You bourgeoisie, we got that type of party. You ratchet, we got that type of party. You righteous, we got that type of party. Balance. Yeah. Balance, bro. <laughs> Balance, yeah. I think that's what it's about. It's like, when you when I just think about creating an ecosystem, bro, I think, I think it starts with, like, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a catch to it, though, right? Because you have the way things are done, but then you also have you have the you have the way they tell us things have to be done. Mm -hmm. But then we have the way that we've always done things, like that aren't necessarily promoted. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we have a situation where um, it is a hegemony on certain terms. Like this term means this because that's what everyone says it means. It's like, so we say capitalism, and capitalism is evil. Capitalism means this, but what if, what if capitalism was something different and then it was transformed into this evil thing we're talking about? Right. You know what I mean? Currency, oh, currency is the root of all evil. Like, what if people created currency and it was like actually like an amazing innovation, but we created this, they, someone created this free market system and corrupted the whole thing. Like a lot of things are corrupted and mm -hmm. the corruption then takes on the whole thing. And I never believed in that, bro. Like I never believed that you could say something like America and it's like, oh, America's evil. Like, yes, it is some evil factions in America, but like I'm in here too. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I'm in here too. You know what I'm saying? So like right. a lot of it was just rebranding, like rebranding the narrative. Like I'm rebranded the narrative. Mm-hmm. Most of my clients aren't rappers. Right. Most of my clients are like government workers, teachers, mm-hmm. you know, like estheticians. Like, like this is my clientele. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like fifty-eight percent of the people who shot with me are in between the ages of twenty-five and forty-four, and women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who are girls for? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and again, it's a learning community too. To learn a community too. That's why I always strive to know more and more and more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. If you walk into my shop and you're African, if you walk into my shop and you're from this city or that city, if you walk into my shop and you're Jewish or Muslim, like, I got questions, bro. Mm-hmm. I got questions, bro, because I don't, I don't heard some stuff, I don't read some stuff, like, and I want to know more about it. Do you know? Right. <laughs> Do you know? Real talk. Straight up. Real talk, <laughs> bro. Real talk. When, when somebody like. It's like if somebody not from D.C. and they just come to me and they like, yo, bro, like, you listen to Backyard? That's a whole combo. Right. Because mm-hmm. even if I don't listen to Backyard, I know who Backyard is. You go, know go I mean? for y'all that don't. You feel me? Like, if you. You don't know nothing about that money. I don't. <laughs> Real talk. Like, if you from, if you Europe, if you African and you Europe, like, and you say, like, I'm, I might ask you, like, yo, bro, what's Ashe? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. E22. What does that mean, bro? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, do your family practice the traditional faith? Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, are you familiar with the connections of voodoo and Santeria? Like, these right. are the questions I got. You Haiti? Like, hey, bro, is it Haiti? Do you call it Haiti or Haiti? Right. Like, these are the questions that we can ask people that really open the door to a deeper understanding of that person. So it's not even about the grills no more. It's about this conversation. It's about this contact. Right. Mm-hmm. It's about this contact, bro. And I learned, oh my God, bro. Hey, no, wait. <laughs> you gonna have I didn't want to cut you off, bro. But that is exactly what me and her be talking about. Because she's like, yo, how you get these people on this podcast? Like, I was like, bro, I talk to everybody I see. You and do, genuinely, bro. it'll yeah. start with like a compliment. <laughs> like, that's it. I soften them up with a compliment, but it'll be something I literally probably like about them. And then it just goes from there. Come on a podcast, bro. Let's talk. Let's see what you're talking about. Or let's just build. Let's have lunch. Uh, see, that's game. <laughs> that's what we called that back in the day. Mm. Call that game. Start off with a little compliment, a little innocent compliment. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. you like ranch sunflower seeds. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me too. You like chicken boxing? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, I think that's how we got cool, though. Like, yeah. I was going to say, how did this happen? Like, did y'all immediately like each other? Or like, how? How? Man, this is my man, bro. We was... Shorter introduces, right? No, 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 no. Shorter. I know we was both. We was both RAs. That's how we got cool, though. That's how. Yeah, that's how it happened. That's Explain. How we got cool. <laughs> so when I got to college, my mother moved from a three bedroom to a two bedroom. Mm. So I ain't had no room at the house no more. Mm. Like, so I'm like, shit. Like it's summertime. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's summertime, it's summertime, bro. <laughs> like I ain't trying to sleep on no floor. Mm-hmm. Like so I get to going looking around. I found like, oh, you could be an RA. I applied to be an RA. They That's a resident me. assistant for y'all that don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. the resident, like the people who look over the floors of the dormitories at a college. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit. Like y'all going hold on, wait. So I don't gotta pay for this. Y'all gonna give me free money. And y'all going to pay for my food every day? Okay, cool. So say less. So wow. So I show up to the RA training, and this guy's here. <laughs> this guy's there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you feel me? I feel like he complimented me about something too. Like, mm, I see you. I, I see how bro. Some things don't change. He complimented me about something. We started really rapping, bro. We really started, like, literally freestyling. Like, <laughs> literally, like, literally, bro. <laughs> hey, bro. I'm going to crap up. This joke is so funny, bro. Hey, bro. Real talk, bro. I feel like what? This, I feel like the second day we was cool, like, day one, it was like, oh, bro, you're pretty amazing. Hey, bro. Amazing, too, bro. bro. Day two, we freestyling, like... <laughs> Wow. These weak arms is heavy. 
<laughs> vomit on the sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. Like, that's how it was, bro. Wow. But it was amazing, though. Because That is so cute. One thing that people don't understand, when me and Mir got together, it was immediately about community work. Mm. We went straight into, like, bro, we got to do something to help black men. To help black men stay in this thing, you know. So we had created a, um, a campus organization called Black Male Agenda or Organization. Uh, black Male Agenda uh, Organization for Solutions to Change the World. world, world. Yeah. Mm. Like, that's a fact. That's history. That's some history right there. And it, it's such a, it's such history. That thing lasted like 10 years after we graduated. Mm. Like, after we were gone, people still felt like it was important enough to keep this thing going, bro. Mm. Like, that was amazing to me. Like, and we would do, we would do cool things. Like, we would get, like, suits from the administrators. Like, because we said I that. I forgot about that, bro. We had, we used donating to. Donating suits. Donating suits. And every Wednesday, we would get a suits to the, to the men on campus who didn't have a suit. Like, we would get them altered and all that, get them to them. And we would do these things called BMA walks. And it would be like a hundred and a hundred. The first one was like. Was, That's the craziest joint I've ever been a part of. Bro, it was like 150 black men all dressed up, dipped in butter, shining in <laughs> And we would just what? walk through the canvas. Hey, yo. How cute. Crazy. But you want to know what I realized later on? Like, how scary that could have been. Like, just thinking about it, like, you got 150 dudes in the president's office, like, mm. where he at? <laughs> That's a we just came to say hey. <laughs> we just came to say hello. Real talk. Wow. Literally marched into, like, the president's building. Like, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we was in there. Like, what's up? What's up? What's up, Bernie? Yeah, wow. every time, bro. That was, that was crazy. Real talk, like, and we wasn't even a part of SGA. Like, we wasn't a part of student government. But, like, they started <laughs> inviting us to all of the SGA stuff. Like, remember NASAP? Yeah. They sent us that's, to that's NASAP. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? Which is, like, I forgot what it is, but it's, like, uh, where they bring all of the HBCUs. The student leaders, leaders yeah. From yeah, the yeah, HBCUs, yeah. they bring them all to one campus, and we just work on, like, being leaders, you know what I'm saying? They bring in all these type of people to talk to us and all of this. It's like one of the dopest conventions I've ever seen, you know, because you get It's that. a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, like, we in that joint, everybody in there got, like, titles and stuff. Like, mm. me and Amir in that joint, like, what wow. y'all do? What y'all do? Um, wow. We put, we put niggas in suits. <laughs> Straight up, straight up and wow. down. But it got powerful though, bro. Like I love it. They brought Farrakhan to the campus. Like I wow. remember that. Wow, bro. It was wild. I remember that. That was some powerful stuff, bro. It's really crazy, like, cause you you it's wild. You you wrap your your mind around how much you can really do when you just put your mind to something, bro. That's what it showed me, honestly. Like that that Little time we had the other, like four or five years, like it was like, bro, anything is possible. Anything and everything, bro. We had no resources when we stepped on campus and left with every resource imaginable. He's a professor. He's a professor there now. Everybody Mm. throwing his paper. Everybody was throwing his money. (laughs) It's crazy, bro. You know what? I got a couple more things for you and we're going to get out of here. One, I want you to talk about, because one of them, you, you have a passion for the jewelry, and then you also, you know, have a uh, job or I almost say it's a it's a responsibility you have as a teacher. Yeah. Because, you know, we're nothing if we don't leave nothing behind. That's a responsibility That's a for people who know how to teach. So talk about that, too, because we always, me and Imani always get people on here and we talk about that. Like, a lot of entrepreneurs out here right now feel like you can't have a job. Like, bruh, you better get you a job, bruh. <laughs> Don't listen to Beyonce, bro. <laughs> Get you a job, bro. Like, for real. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's important. Like, when you first start off, I think it's important. You have to have an income. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if you ain't, you know, like, and I'm, I'm going to be real. Like, I don't really, I don't, I look at teaching more so as, like, me giving back. Right. On the real. Like, I don't really do it for money, but, like. When I first started my business, mm-hmm. I was looking at it like, yeah, bro. Like when I went out on my own, like I broke my, I broke my, I 
I didn't break. I bent my Achilles. So mm. I wasn't walking for like eight months before I started Rich Girls. Gotcha. Mm. So like I lost all of my streams. All of my streams had just disappeared. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so when I started this thing, I'm like, dog, I need some money. And that's when the professor opportunity came. As soon as I graduated from Towson, like May something, April 2nd, like I got, all, not April, but June 2nd, I had like a job offer. Mm -hmm. So, but what that allowed me to do was, people don't understand when you're an entrepreneur, you cannot use the money from your business to pay for like your groceries. And your rent, and your mortgage, you can't, it, that's taking money away from your business and your business needs that money to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so like if you can, if you have the ability to supplement it with some type of, with somebody who's going to cut you a check without asking you for a lot of your time, mm -hmm. yep. like, bro, like I told my man, like, bro, okay, you want to be an entrepreneur. I make it look good. I get you. But like, bro, you work from home. Mm. You don't got to quit your job, bro. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Not yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Not yet. Run it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, a business has to get to the point where it's making at least a half a million dollars before you can be on some. I'm not right. about mm -hmm. to do nothing else. Because mm -hmm. you got to think about medical insurance, dental insurance. You got to think about all of these different things, bro. Like, Shit ain't cheap. It's life. Life is expensive, bro. Yeah. Right. Like, you feel me? My truck take premium gas, bro. Shit crazy. Bro. 25 gallons, bro. Mm -hmm. Hey, bro, I got a company car right now. It's the best thing in the world, oh, bro. bro. They pay for everything. <laughs> the shell look like, what? <laughs> bro, gas like $7, $8 here, bro. I don't know if you've been driving past the gas station. Bro. That joint legit. Like, and it ain't like $6.99, bro. That joint be like $7.25. Bro, I Regular. Be, I be laughing at my Uber driver out here. Like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, because I'm like, bro, at, for the Uber drive, I'm like, bro, at what point is, like, even the Uber, it's not sustainable? Because you, like, they haven't really raised their rates for Uber and Lyft. No, no, and, like, gas is crazy. Same prices. I mean, bro, gas is, bro, the world is in such flux right now. <laughs> it's crazy. Real talk, bro. We don't, we don't really have deep conversations about, like, why is the gas this price, bro? Mm -hmm. Like, it was this price because we on the brink of a war, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, we on the brink of a war, bro. Like, and it, it get me back to, like, you need to secure every bag you can right now. Mm -hmm. Every bag, bro. I don't care how successful you are. You need to secure every bag you are because we do not know how long we're going to be blessed. Mm -hmm. We do not know how long it is until the BS is at our front door. And it don't matter how much jewelry you got. It don't matter what kind of car you drive. It don't matter what you do. It's about what you what what resources do you have access to right now? Like I need to see everybody running that bag up in every way they know how to build these resources so that we can survive the storm that's coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that thing coming, bro. Like, so I don't deny no checks. Like that's a popular thing with me. Like, I don't deny no checks. Oh, y'all got a check for me in L.A. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> All right, cool. Like you said, let me get it and get out of here before I spend too much money. Like, oh, bro, that's too yeah. late for that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you leaving in the morning, like, you know, it, it get crazy, but it, it'd be a lot worse if you stay here. Bro, but what does that mean, bro? Because out here, bro, y'all don't sleep, bro. I feel like y'all don't even do nothing before 3 p.m. Yo, someone else told me that yesterday too, low key. <laughs> I don't be seeing no. It was like, yo, people in LA, like if you live in LA, like you're not really doing nothing before that time. Yeah. I that, that's a that. fact. Someone literally that. just told me that yesterday. I was like, damn, that's kind of true. Bruh. Low key. I went into my lobby, bro. It wasn't nobody in there. It's a bro. <laughs> Hello? When I left out, when I left out at six, it was packed, bro. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I know what it is. Absolutely. I know where I'm at. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. LA time means something totally different to me now. Way different, bro. So I want you to, like, take as much time as you need, bro. I want you to just end us with some parting words you just might have for the people listening. It could be about whatever you want, bro. Jewelry, music, philosophy, history. Just giving thanks 
to the Almighty. We just glad to have you here, bro. Like I, I was so happy when you said you was coming. I was like, damn, we gotta get him out here <laughs> once. Nichelle was like, cool, I could get there Monday night. It's all good. I was like, thank God, bro. It all worked out. That's why I love it when the plane to comes the together. Shout out to the shooter, man. Shout shooter. out to the shooter. Cause I was like, I was like, dang, I want to stay another day just to do the podcast. Like, I was Aww. really gonna stay oh, bro. tomorrow just to Aww. do this. We appreciate you, bro. I was like, bro, is there any way you could do it today? He was like, yeah. Yeah, but my part of words is is this is the kick I've been on, bro. Like, you know, life and living is wonderful, but I have uh, given my life. I've given this life into going to doing great deeds. Like, I encourage everybody to do good deeds because it acts as the currency that you'll need uh, to transition to the next world after this life. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I, I studied a lot of myth. Like especially like Greek mythology and other things, you know. Mm-hmm. And after we pass from this life, you have to give the person some type of coin, mm-hmm. and they will sell you to the afterlife. And I believe that I've taken that, I've, I've adopted that mindset. Through good deeds, we eliminate the husk of evil that surrounds us all. Mm-hmm. And I implore everybody to take that on, and just to remember, like. With every good deed, you're building currency. You're accumulating the wealth you need to be prepared to make it into the next life, to pay the price of admission to the next life. Yep. Because it's promised. So prepare for it now. And don't be somber. Don't be sad about it. It's not nothing to be sad about. Like, to live a life of servant, to be a servant is the highest honor that any of us can have. So serve others. Mm. Serve others. And become more yourself every day. Amen. I love it. That was awesome. This might have been my favorite joint. (laughs) (laughs) This might have been my favorite joint. That was awesome. Straight up. I I, I escaped the kidnapping again. (laughs) For real. This was supposed to happen. The land of Ducey. The land of Ducey. We got through a mob of kidnappers. The streets of downtown LA, and you made it here, brother. So we we appreciate you. We love you, Rich. Oh, tell them where they can find you at, real quick on, on online. Online, uh, Rich Grills is the brand. A liberal artist is the man. Catch me in traffic. That's you know, you're gonna see me. <laughs> I love, love it. We love you, brother. Make sure you come back again and safe travels back. Everybody give it up for Rich and Rich Grills. Yes, sir.